The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Jane Thompson, had a profound NDE in 2008 during a medical emergency. Jane left her body, went into the light, leaving her open to communications with the spirit world, even to this day. Jane, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful to have you. Uh, Jane, if you would, please tell uh, our audience uh, about your near-death experience. Sure. Um, my near-death experience happened on August twenty-second, two 2008. I had just turned 34, and I was in the hospital um, in the emergency room. I woke up that morning with a very high fever of 106 degrees, and I was in horrific all-over body pain, and I was unable to move. In the emergency room, they found out that I had a kidney stone that had become lodged in my ureter, and I had gone into septic shock. I had just come out of a CAT scan, and I was lying in a hospital gurney in a little waiting area, waiting for the nurse to transport me to what was next. And all of a sudden, everything around me became very amplified. The lights became way too bright, and I was across the hall from a waiting room where there were a couple of children playing, and it just seemed like they were screaming right in my ear as if they were right there in the room with me. Even the clock on the wall seemed too loud, and I was just observing all of this, and I was in so much pain, and I was burning up, but then suddenly I became ice cold, and I started convulsing. And at that point, I immediately went very internal. I forgot about everything that was going on around me. And I did what I would describe as an internal scan of my body. And I could see the blood vessels in my head. And I could see my internal organs. And it was so detailed that I could see right down to the cellular level of what was going on. And I remember having this realization of this is what it feels like to die. I'm dying. And it didn't frighten me. I felt peaceful about it. It was just a knowing. And I kept looking, kept doing the scan. And again, I had the thought of I'm dying. And then just like that, I was out of my body and I was up on the ceiling looking down at myself. And it took me a moment to orient because I could feel myself up high, but I could see my body down below. And it it took me a moment to figure out what was going on. And once I settled into it, I just started observing everything that was going on in the room. And I started very gently floating backwards where I could still see the hospital room. And the further back I would float, I could see the entire hospital And I saw what looked like little balls of energy buzzing around, which I now believe were souls. And they were all connected by a thin iridescent line, almost 
uh, what a spider web would look like when you catch it just right in the sunlight. And I remember thinking, everybody's just running around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off. They all seemed so busy to me. And from my perspective, it seemed a little bit silly. Um, but I just kept watching and kept floating backwards. And then very suddenly, I was in a tunnel, and it was dark, it was black, but it wasn't scary, and I was traveling very fast. It was very fun, and it was exhilarating. And then very quickly, I came out of the tunnel, and I was in the light. I was in that pure white light that you hear other NDEers talk about. And it was almost too bright for me at first. And after I was able to adjust to it, I just loved everything about it. I could have stayed there forever. It was uh, so peaceful and so loving. The love was unconditional. It didn't matter anything that I had done in my life. It, It was just pure love that was there for me. And it was replenishing. Any pain or hurt that I had experienced in my life, it felt like it was being repaired and all the holes and dents were getting filled in and I was being restored and it was just warm and beautiful and it felt like a hug. And at that point I felt what felt like other people or other souls coming around me, but before I was able to take that in, I heard the voice tell me, you need to go back. And I said, no, no, I protested. I said, please, I don't want to go back. Please don't make me go back. I want to stay. And again, you need to go back. I said, no, please let me stay. Please let me stay. And then very quickly, I I don't know if I fell back into the tunnel or if I was gently nudged back into the tunnel, but I was quickly back in the tunnel and instantly back into my body through the top of my head. The pain returned right away, and then I just completely blacked out after that. The next thing I remember was much later that evening in pre-op. I woke up, and I was receiving last rites, and everybody around me looked so worried. And I I wasn't able to communicate verbally at that time, But I remember thinking, what's everybody so worried about? If I was supposed to die, it would have happened earlier. And then I, (laughs) I know, and then I just blacked out again. I had a really brief out-of-body experience during surgery. um, And then I don't remember anything until the next morning when I woke up in the hospital room. Uh, When I woke up, it was... I could tell that there were instant changes, that I was a completely different person. I recognized that I was in the hospital. I recognized the machines and the people, but I didn't feel connected to any of it. I just felt like a foreigner, and I didn't feel like I belonged there. I felt completely detached from it, and right away, I started having these sensitivities where I could feel everything that other people were feeling. And I started having these mediumship experiences where I would feel someone walk into a room, 
But then I would look and no one was there. And at first I blamed it a lot on the pain medications. But then I, once I was off the pain medications, it kept happening and it became more vivid and more frequent. And prior to my NDE, I didn't have anything at all like this happening. I would have told you that I had a good gut instinct, but that was about it. I was, prior to my NDE, I was very career focused. My job was number one. I sold real estate and I worked long hours, seven days a week, and I loved it. I liked the money. I liked material things. And, you know, that was really all I thought about. So now I've had this NDE and I've come back and I was really just a completely different person. And I tried to talk to a couple of people about it and it wasn't well received. So I, I let it go, and I tried to fake it through life for a while. I tried to be the person that I was before, but that wasn't really working because anytime I would go out into public, I would I didn't understand what it was at the time, and I didn't have the vocabulary for it, but I had become an empath, and I could feel everything that was happening on such a deep level and I was taking it on and I was just completely drained and I would have these encounters with spirit while I was out and I was scared I didn't know what it meant and I didn't know what it was if it was even real or not if I was imagining it if I had completely gone crazy and so I found that being at home was the quietest place for me to be. So I stayed home a lot for a couple of years, and I really became a hermit. I lost Mm. a lot of relationship because of it. I didn't enjoy the same things I did before, and so just a lot of the people that I spent time with, we just didn't understand each other anymore. So those relationships were lost and I just stayed home and it was peaceful there for me for the most part, but I was still very scared about what was going on. I didn't understand and I still had to go out sometimes because I still had a mortgage to pay and I still had bills that I was responsible for. But I was able to work it where I cut down my hours dramatically. I had an assistant who really stepped up and helped me a lot. I worked from home as much as I could. And really the only time I would go out was when I needed to show properties to clients. And I found that when I would go into these houses, I would know the stories of the people that lived there and the things that had happened there. And it was overwhelming for me. But I would just get mm. through it. And there was. Could you pick up, Jane? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you. Could you pick up on the thoughts of the people you were talking to, or were these all like third-party encounters that were going on while you were trying to have a conversation with person A, for instance? Were you being bombarded by souls around you, or were you were you intuiting what that person that you were talking to was thinking? All of that was happening at the same time. 
the third party mm. occurrences were going on. And while I was talking to someone, I was taking on what they were feeling and I could intuit whether they were telling me the truth or not. And it was just, it was too much. It just felt like a lot of busyness and a lot of chatter around me. And I couldn't distinguish what was real and what might not be real, what might just be imagined by me. And I really thought I was going absolutely crazy. Now, somebody in that your position, if they were terribly manipulative, could really use this as a power against the people they were trying to sell real estate to, for example. Not in the state I was in, because I didn't understand <laughs> okay. what was going on. I just hadn't developed it at that point, but I do suppose if someone had developed it, that they could use it for something that wasn't good. I right. would hope they wouldn't, but that could happen, yes. Now, this is what um, uh, Jan Holden has termed spontaneous mediumship experiences, or SMEs. And uh, I guess you sought, one way or another, you sought out Jan to, to talk to her about this. I did. Tell I, us about that. A series of events led me to have a meeting with Dr. Holden that was very helpful um, what propelled it all forward is I had been out one afternoon showing homes to a client who was looking in a neighborhood where the houses were 80 to 100 years old, so lots of history. And we were walking mm-hmm. into this one house, and as soon as we walked through the front door, I could feel that there was something or someone there that did not want us there. And it even felt a little bit malevolent. And I thought, Mm. okay, Jane, you just be a professional, put on your brave face, and just power through this. And we had been walking through the house probably for less than two minutes, and my client stopped me. And I could tell by the look on her face that she was scared too. And she said, I don't feel like we're alone. And I was so relieved Mm. to hear her say that. I said, I don't either. Let's get out of here. And we could not get out of that house fast enough. It was like a stampede out the front door. (laughs) But but the reason that was such an important event is because this was a, a woman that I respected very much. She's educated, smart, sane, and rational. And she was feeling the same exact thing that I was. And that made me realize that there was something to it, that it wasn't all in my head, that I wasn't going crazy. So that Mm. really propelled me forward to figure this thing out because I didn't want to be a hermit for the rest of my life. I was only in my mid-30s. And so I did a lot of research about NDEs and their after effects. And people do show up exactly when you need them in your life because I was very fortunate to meet a healer who I clicked with and trusted, and she did a lot of energy work for me, and she really helped to put me back together after everything that had happened. And she helped me to realize that I now had the ability to do energy work, and she helped me figure a lot of that out, and clients started showing up, 
And I was grateful for that because I was never going to be able to go back to my old life and my old profession. And so I had this little business where I was doing energy work, but I still had the mediumship events going on. And I didn't talk about it much. I resented it. I didn't like it. Um, Spirit was keeping me up at night. For many years, I slept with the lights on. Um, I didn't know what to make of it, and I didn't know what they wanted. And this is how I eventually connected with Dr. Holden. And I thought, well, if anybody knows how to make this stop, it's her. And I was just so excited for my meeting with her. And we talked for a few hours about my NDE and everything that had happened. And I said, I said, you know, I feel like I trust you and I want to confide in you that I've been having these strange things happen and it's their meet it's mediumship. That's what it is. I'm having these encounters with spirit wherever I go and even in my home and I'm up all night and I don't like it and I'm scared of it and I want it to stop. So tell me what I need to do. I'll do anything to make it stop. And now that I look back, that was a pretty high and unrealistic expectation to put on another human being. But I was just, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it bare, yeah, unre- unrealistic and unreasonable. But I was desperately, and she was really my last chance. And she just, bless her heart, she just paused and was quiet for a moment. And she looked at me and she said, she said, Janie, do you think that it is at all possible that the reason this is happening is because it's a way for you to help other people. And that was exactly what I needed to hear at that moment because I realized that I had been so focused on how it was affecting me that I didn't even stop to think how it could affect and help and heal others. And that shifted everything for me. So I went back into research mode about mediumship, and I really found that there were limited resources out there that were reliable or helpful. But I I took what I could get, and I talked to a medium who I had a lot of respect for, and she helped me with creating boundaries with spirit so I wouldn't be up at night. So just starting to get sleep was very helpful, and creating those boundaries was very helpful. I started learning the language of spirit so I could understand what, if anything, they needed from me. And I started volunteering once a week at an inpatient hospice facility. I was just doing energy work and Reiki, but what I found was patients who were actively dying and who were 48 hours or less from passing over, the spirit activity around them was, it was, it was just very busy. I have no other way of describing it. It was just profound and it was very busy and just the most loving presence that you could imagine. And by being an observer of that, I saw that there was nothing to be scared of. And by observing that, I learned the language of spirit. And that was, they taught me a lot 
even though all I was doing was just paying attention to what was going on with someone else's soul who was transitioning over. So I started doing Jane, yeah. Jane let, let me ask you, how would you describe the language of spirit? Is it is it something that um, uh, you you feel? Is it is it something expressed in words in your mind? I mean, how how would you describe that? You know, it depends on who you're communicating with, because they all communicate a little bit differently, and it depends on how long they have been in spirit form as well. Some communicate through images, others communicate through feeling, some communicate through smell. It really just depends. And a lot of that I had to be open to on my end where a lot of my senses opened up to spirit, the more comfortable I became with it. Mm. So it depends on... When you were dealing with uh, hospital patients... Were angels? Was it the the light of God? What? How would you um, that spiritual input? It was definitely that white light coming through, and oftentimes it was family members or loved ones who had already passed over. Um, angels, and a lot of times. Spirit that would come through, I found was very culturally based for the patient um, or whatever their spiritual beliefs were, that would be who would be coming through. But the theme always was loving assistance. No matter who was there to help, it was to assist with that transition. Mm. Um, to help with any fears that were associated with it, to help with that letting go process, and really to just usher them over as comfortably and lovingly as possible. So then these souls, or these, these spirits, I should say, were different than the ones who had been bombarding you when you were first becoming um, aware of your mediumship. Yes and no. Um, When I was first becoming aware of it, I was just so blown wide open that I was open to everything. So when I would go somewhere, there may have been spirit hanging around that wasn't even meant for me to have anything to do with, but I was picking up on it. So I thought, well, they're here for me, and it felt like an intrusion, but I was just making an observation of of spirit who was there, but I could have just normally, normally now I would be able to just shut it down or look away and know that that wasn't meant for me. Right, so I was right. feeling everything that I didn't necessarily need to be observing or taking in. And I will say there were some scary ones that sometimes they felt a little pushy. Um, And I now realize those were souls who needed help passing over. They were caught in between worlds. I found that people who passed 
very quickly and traumatically or people who were very attached to the physical world, oftentimes they get stuck in between worlds and they just need a little bit of assistance passing over. And those were the ones that I had a really hard time with and those were the ones who really kept me up at night. But once I understood what was going on and I knew how to handle the situation, it got a lot better. Did you feel anger from those spirits or fear? Uh, it was more fear-based. And so you can differentiate between communication with someone who has passed into the light uh, and, and, and those people who have not, you know, souls that we might call ghosts who are stuck in, in uh, an in-between plane of some sort. There is a definite difference. Um, those who have passed over into the light very much bring that light and the qualities of the light with them. Those who are a little bit stuck, not a little bit stuck, those who are stuck, they still carry with them a lot of the qualities of fear and really a lot of the qualities of ego that leave us when we go into the light. So there is a distinct difference, but it took me some time to figure that out. That was a process. So uh, when you said you had you were receiving um, uh, last rites, were you raised Catholic? I wasn't raised Catholic, but um, my mom's side of the family was Catholic, and so she had fears around what was about to happen to her daughter, and so that was her natural instinct. Uh, okay, so. Uh, I was going, I only asked you that question because I was wondering, would you say that the earthly plane for a spirit is like a Catholic's idea of purgatory? Um, that's a good question and that's a, that's a complex answer. I'll, I'll try to simplify it as much as I can. Yes and no. I, this is definitely, when we're in our physical bodies, we are definitely here to learn. Evolution is still happening, and we are definitely here to learn soul lessons and to continue to evolve. I do find that once we pass over, there's almost a form of purgatory where we're integrating all of the lessons that we learned while we were in our physical bodies. And we're going through an intense period of learning. It's very gentle, but it's an intense period of learning. And I, when someone calls me and they ask for a reading, if it's for someone who has passed less than six months ago, I'll always tell them, let's wait. Let's give them a little more time to adjust to their new role and to integrate everything that they learned in their physical bodies, because I do find that they're pretty busy for the first little while after they do pass over. So you could say that's a form of purgatory, but I not in the traditional Catholic sense, I wouldn't say. Okay, thanks. Janie, unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, let the audience know how they might get in touch with you. Uh, my website is 
www.safehandshealing.com or you can reach me at jane at safehandshealing.com. I do Skype, telephone, and in-person energy healing, mediumship readings, and I also help NDEers who are struggling with their after effects and who are looking for spiritual gift coaching. Well, well, Janie, I want to thank you so much for uh, sharing not only your near-death experience, but your uh, um, spontaneous mediumship experiences as well. And um, I look forward to seeing you uh, at the IANS conference um, that's coming up in the fall. Uh, for those who would like to uh, listen to this show again, you can uh, just tune in to uh, nderadio.org on your computer or whatever device. And um, if you'd like to um, know more about IANS, go to the IANS.org website. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. Uh, tune in again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern for more NDE Radio.